Amen. I'd have to learn how to cook at home and all that stuff. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Got to say it. What's that name? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go, Jesus says to his disciples, go. Um, and then another verse I'll use as a text, <clears throat> kind of a mainstay, uh, would be John the uh, 14th chapter, verse 12. You needn't turn there. I'll read it quickly. Verily, verily, Jesus says, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do. Everybody say do. Yeah. Do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, then the, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So, two words I'm going to preach today. Go and do. I want to be a goer, and I want to be a doer. Amen? I want to be a goer, and I want to be a doer. By the time I'm done today, every one of you is going to want to be goers and doers. You'll at least want to go home. But I'm praying you're going to aspire to more than that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for wonderful people that are here today. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for all you've already done. Ask you to bless and anoint the preaching of your word as we hear what you have for us today. Open our hearts and our ears. And God, loose my tongue. Let me say what you would have said. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> the Old Testament method of worship and salvation was very uh, tedious, to say the least, very works-driven. It really is the antithesis of what we preached last Sunday about not being able to work your way. Uh, the Old Testament was very much works-driven. When God gave Moses the Old Testament plan, he, it was full of do this, do that, move here, move there, bring this, get that, Kill this, slay this much blood, bring it here, build this, build that, gather this, gather. A lot of work. Amen? Amen. Old Testament worship and salvation was very tedious, very work-driven. Sacrifices, offerings, ordinances, and laws. Not only that, it was very <clears throat> selective, very restrictive. Uh, think of it. Old Testament. One certain race. Hmm? That wouldn't fly today. Certain, not only a certain race, <clears throat> the Jewish people, the Hebrews, but a certain tribe when you get down to the worship aspect of their existence. Um, when it comes to the worship part, the, those who could come in and go out and could offer this and that, it was a certain tribe. What was that tribe? The Levites. The Levite tribe. So, so the Lord not only says, okay, uh, we get in Genesis, just the first few chapters deal with the entire human race, and then we get down to just Abraham and his seed, and now we get down to uh, when we start talking about worship, he breaks off one tribe and says, you, 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 that tribe right there can come into the temple, and you can bring the sacrifices, and you can work on this and fix that, and uh, nobody else, nobody else, nobody else can carry the Ark of the Covenant, nobody else can come in and go out, and then he gets more selective and more restrictive when he talks about who can be priests, and then, then there's only one high priest out of all the tr all the nation, then that certain tribe, and then the, the families, and then 
One man would be the high priest. And that one man, think of his responsibility, his obligation, was for the whole nation, the whole people. He was the one who would come in um, to... Uh, the, the, the outer court and, uh, and do the, his work ministry there at the brazen, uh, at the altar and then the brazen labor. And he would wash, then he would go in to the uh, inner court under the tent and there he would offer the incense and praise and worship. <clears throat> he would eat of the shoe bread there on the table of shoe bread. He was, his, his room was lit by that uh, candlestick and then, then there was that veil. That veil represented that there was, there, was a, there was a separation now between the holy place and the holies of holies and in the holies of holies beyond the veil was that ark of the covenant and only one of the priests, the high priest, was able, was worthy, I guess we could say, to go back beyond the veil. And he went back there once a year. He went back there not empty-handed. He had a whole, whole list of things he had to do and had to accomplish and had to bring. And he went there with blood and he sprinkled the blood. And we know, of course, he was making atonement for an entire nation. They prayed. They prayed that he was a sinless man, that he was right with God because it was that their, their salvation was dependent. You see what I'm saying? It was very, very tedious, very works-driven, very selective, very restrictive and uh, you just had to stand back. Ordinary people were outside, and then the Jewish people were even on the outside, and the uh, Levites were there, but they weren't there, and then the priests were there, but the high, everybody was just looking in, hoping and praying, hoping and praying that this one time and this one man and this certain way and all of these restrictions and ordinances and laws that they all would culminate just right, just perfectly on this one particular day and point and that their sins were atoned. And when it happened, oh, you know they rejoiced. Bible <clears throat> Go to the New Testament now. <clears throat> Bible talks in John 5 uh, that there was a uh, <clears throat> feast of the Jews in verse 1. And, and, and uh, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us here about at Jerusalem, at a certain place <clears throat> by the sheep market, there was a pool. And uh, this pool in the Hebrew tongue was called Bethesda. And it had the five porches. So a certain place. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. They were blind, halt, withered, and they waited for the moving of the water. Brother Worthen, they were <clears throat> at a certain place, at a, waiting for a certain um, work to be done and certain protocols to take place. And at that one certain moment, the Bible says that when the waters were troubled, an angel went down at a certain uh, uh, season into the pool and troubled the water. And whoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped into, uh, in, in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had but it was one person at one particular moment and they had to be the first one in you could be the second one and all you did was got wet but the first one got healed think of that wow certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years 38 years he'd been sick with this infirmity and he had come to this pool to this you know he'd gone through all the protocols 
Everybody knew the unwritten rules about the pool of Bethesda. If you're there, you got to be there. You got to be there. You can't do it. You can't run down to Subway for lunch. And, and if, if the water's troubled, you got to be there. You got to be. So people had, they had to have DoorDash and all that stuff, bring them food, I guess, and whatever. And, and family would come and check on them perhaps. But you didn't leave. You just, if you really wanted your blessing, you had to, to follow all those unwritten rules and you had to be there at that certain place and you had to wait for the certain movement and then you had to be, you just hoped, maybe you just there close enough. And in his condition, you're probably just hoping that somebody on their way in accidentally bumped you in first. And you got your healing. He was, he, was in a, he was a mess and he was hopeless. And, 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 and all the restrictions and all of the hindrances that were in his way, it really put him in quite the predicament. And so when verse 6 comes, we see that Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He said to him, wilt thou be made whole? This man was thinking only in terms of restrictions, selection, certain people, certain times. And his answer was predicated on that. He said, well, of course I would be made whole, sir, but I have no man. So in the Old Testament, it was certain time, certain place, certain man. Pool of Bethesda, certain place, certain time, he needed a man. He needed somebody to help connect him with the supernatural, the miracle that was going to take place. Old Testament story written for us here in the pool of Bethesda. It's a certain place, certain rules apply, got to be at the right place at the right time. By the way, I can't do it on my own. I need a man and I'm totally dependent upon a man. Lord, don't you understand? I'm in a mess. I can't do anything for myself. I just don't have a man. If I had a man that could bring me to the pool, if I had a man in the Old Testament, if I had a man that could go in there behind the veil, then my sins will be atoned. Sure enough, they had that. Can I say, even today, there are people who still hold to this Old, Old Testament way of thinking. And, 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 and the Catholic Church, you don't go to the Lord for yourself. You don't go boldly before the throne of grace. You come to a man. They've been taught to believe that they need a man to go to God on their behalf. But I came to tell you, when Jesus showed up at the pool of Bethesda, he was making a statement when he said to that man, you don't have to wait on a certain time, and you don't have to wait on a certain place, and you you don't need any man if you will be made whole you can go ahead and get up from your bed right now and be made whole you don't need a certain man and you don't need a certain place and you don't need a certain rule you don't need a Jesus came and he changed everything and now here we are able to go boldly before the throne of grace make our petitions known well glory to God well, that's pretty exciting to me. Jesus said, well, will you be made whole? He said, well, I don't have a man when the water's troubled. Put me into the pool. I don't have a man. I don't have a certain time. <laughs> when the pool's troubled, uh, when I'm coming, somebody else gets in front of me. And Jesus said, well, we'll take care of that right here. Just rise, take up thy bed and walk. I'll be honest with you, in this New Testament church, we really, I think we put up with a lot of stuff we don't have to put up with. I think we live and wallow in a lot of junk that the Lord just deliver us from. Amen. 
If you need deliverance, <clears throat> two things you need to understand. First of all, the spiritual aspect of your deliverance and then the, the carnal aspect of your deliverance. Okay, so <clears throat> Jesus says, will you be made whole? He said, I don't have anybody. But Jesus said, well, here, let me take care of that. Don't need anybody but me. So he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. The miracle, the spiritual application of the miracle, the miraculous, the supernatural. There's two parts to deliverance. There's one part you can't do anything about. There's another part that you can do a whole lot about. This man is lame. He cannot walk. His legs do not work. And he can wish all day long they would work. He can speak it all day long that they would work. But he can't change the fact that his legs don't work. He's right there by that miracle. But it only, it only happens once in a while in certain people, certain time. And he needs a man. Problem. Now Jesus shows up and says, okay, well, I'm going to take care of what you cannot do. I'm going to speak healing and your legs are going to be healed. The spiritual application. So let me help you. Part one of your deliverance is we deal with any spiritual applications of your bondage. Um, however you came to be bound, I don't know. Is it drug addiction? Is it alcoholism? Is it homosexuality? Is it uh, addiction to pornography? Is it lying spirits? You just lie to be lying. There's all kinds of the habits and compulsions and addictions. And we have all these labels and names for them today and all these th people we send you to and all this stuff. And it all has its place. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. I, I, I'm simply saying that, <clears throat> first of all, we have to deal with the spiritual. However you got hooked on that. Maybe it wasn't the devil that got you hooked on drugs. Maybe your mom and dad were addicted. And they, I've known people let their kids take a sip of beer, think it's cute. Stupid. I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, but it is what it is. It's stupid. Put a little sip of beer in your kid's bottle. Are you kidding me? You need slapped and you need your kids taken away. Well, I don't know if that was anointing or not, but it's, it's true. So we... Uh, so the, the parents are addicted, so the kids, maybe, that's, maybe that was their port of entry. The, the parents were addicted, and they tried it, and they got it. It doesn't matter. However you got addicted, but let me tell you how it works. Once the physical part shows up, it doesn't matter if it started with spirit, or maybe you were around spirit, uh, spiritual environments, and that spirit got on you. I see this happen sometimes with addiction, sexual addictions. They get around it. The spirit latches on because you open yourself to it, and it gets on you. All right? Doesn't matter. However, however you got addicted, there's two parts to this deliverance. First part, we have to deal with the spiritual. The second part, you have to deal with the natural. Because when Je Jesus didn't say, levitate, float. Hmm? Could have. Didn't. He said, I'm going to do what you can't do, but you got to do. What you can do. <laughs> I heard a preacher here a while back talking about somebody come up. And, actually, it's Brother Stone King. He was preaching. And he said, uh, guy came up, got healed, of di claimed his healing of diabetes. He said he was so excited he got healed diabetes. He went to the restaurant and ate a whole pie. <laughs> okay. Have I already used the word stupid to my limit? Huh? 
All right? So you're healed of diabetes. Doesn't mean you go eat a whole pie. So the Lord heals you of diabetes, but you don't run out and act like you don't have any sense. Is that better than stupid? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Get delivered from alcoholism, and all of a sudden you think you got a ministry down at Kenny's Tavern. You sit in there in the smoke and the, the smell of smoke and the smell of alcohol and everybody drinking around you, and you were, you were addicted to alcohol for 25 years, and now you're not. You think you're, that's your, you're going to go down there and sit in that? No, you've got you to do what you know to do. So Jesus didn't say, all right, levitate. No, he said, rise up and walk. Yeah. I can't. Yes, you can, because the spiritual application is the supernatural. Now, you've got to walk in the natural. You have an obligation. Now, here's the bad news. The good news is the spiritual part, it just takes about that long. It really does. And I'm going to show you in the scripture here in a minute. I'm going to show you old scriptures that you know very well, but I'm going to reinforce your faith that all we have to do is pray. And if there's a spirit of addiction on you, it has to let loose. If it's in you, it has to come out. Amen. Amen. We don't have to wrestle you to the ground. We don't have to pray for 12 hours. We don't have to have men hold you down and pray the devil out of you. You don't. No, that's a bunch of junk. The devil, we speak in the name of Jesus and the devil listens. Amen? Amen. We don't have to leave any physical marks. We don't have to do any of that stuff. And it's not an all-day venture. Paul spun around on the lady and said, come out of her. And within the same hour, within the same hour, I don't know, and it might have been 1159, so within a minute, I don't know, you know, it was in that hour, came out. And he wasn't holding her down, pray, come on, everybody, gang up. Come on, we need more Christians. We need more Jesus. You've got all the Jesus that's needed right there in you. You've got the Holy Ghost, the power of the name of Jesus. So we say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that spirit. You come out in Jesus' name. You are cast out, and it must come out now. That's like Jesus saying, rise up and walk. It's done. But now the man has to get up. Now the man has to get out of a 38-year mode of letting everybody serve him. Welfare checks. Pity parties. Every time I get it, try to get in the water, somebody else. Somebody else gets in before. That's 38 years of that. That's, you know, some people like being miserable. Pity parties are fun for some people. I don't know. You know you, so he has, to, he has to rise out of all that junk. 38 years of stuff that he's been immersed in. Feeling sorry for himself. Believing he's never going to walk. Being mad at everybody that gets in before him. Why don't my family come down here and stay with me? And they could put me in the water. I have no man. I have no man. And the people that are around take advantage and they just jump in before me. And you can excuse your way all into eternity if you want to. I'm telling you, in this church, in this service this morning, is the power of God to deliver you. Set you free. Lay hands on you. Spiritual part is done. We got to get this because here's what we've, we've let people believe for too long that we pray over them and the spirit moves. They go out, they feel, they feel relief, 
you know, because when that spirit's gone, they feel relief and they claim their miracle and they say, well, I'm going to be just like brother so-and-so who never had another taste for nicotine, smoked for 38 years and God delivered him. He, and, and you heard his testimony. I never had a taste for it again. Never. Well, that's a miracle. Yeah, that's a miracle. But God, that's not always the way it happens. God does it for some. I don't know why he chooses. He's God. I don't argue with God. But he does it for some. But some people, God gives them that, that spiritual breakthrough that they need. And then, they, then he says, now get up and walk. Now you've got to get up and walk. You've got to rise up and walk. You've got to take care. You've got to go, you, you you, you, you go throw those cigarettes out. And you may, have to, you may have to wake up tonight and say, oh, you know, call somebody. Right. Say, right now, I'm wrestling with my flesh. Uh-huh. I need somebody right. to help me pray. Right. The spirit, just like that. The flesh, it is a fight. Right. It is a fight. It is a fight. And so we feel defeated because we thought we got our breakthrough and then all of a sudden we've got a craving to smoke. Or we, we, all of a sudden we said a bad word. Or all of a sudden we've got a compulsion to go look at that junk or, or whatever that we thought we were delivered from. Well, the Lord did move. The right, Spirit right, always right. moves. You do have that. But now you've got to take responsibility for your behaviors. So it's incumbent upon us. We've got to rise up and walk. So you may need to leave the service and say, you know what, God? I've got to crucify this flesh because I know it's going to rise back up. Yeah. It's, going to, it's going to want to go where it shouldn't go. Say what it shouldn't say. Look at stuff it shouldn't look at. Listen to stuff it shouldn't listen to. Run with the people that it shouldn't run with. This flesh. I'm going. So you may have to leave here and say, you know what? I'm just going to go on. A, I'm, I'm fasting tomorrow. I'm going to show this flesh who's boss. You've got to get serious about your deliverance. There's a responsibility on you yes. for you to get delivered from, uh, from some kind of a, let's just say a, an addiction of lust or a sexual um, addiction. You get delivered from that and you to go home and, and because your addiction was to pornography and you're going to go home and turn Netflix on and watch stuff that's not technically pornography, but it's right up next to it. That's, have I already said stupid? That's foolish. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. That's foolish. Shouldn't be watching that junk anyway, but especially if you're claiming victory over pornography in your life. Amen. So you're going to have to crucify your flesh. You've got to walk in this miracle. You can't say, oh, serve me. Welfare checks. Oh, feel sorry for me. You're healed. You're delivered. So to do that, I mean, when I talked about the guy running out and eating a whole pie a while ago, every one of you said, Pfft. That's ridiculous. But we do, people do this all the time. They get delivered and they, oh, well, I'm not, I'm claiming my victory over sexual perversion or whatever addiction, but I, they're going to go watch stuff. Right. It's just right up. Yeah. You've got to take responsibility for your, for your, yeah. for your miracle. Amen. 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 This is good right here. I'm telling you. This, this better you're going to get over across the street at that other church. I'm telling you right now. They ain't talking about this stuff over there. They're not talking about it down there either. Yeah. I'm talking about the Baptist, not Brother. <laughs> Somebody's going to say, he was talking about Brother Adam. No, I wasn't. I'm not talking about Brother Hill. Down here, the Baptists aren't telling you about this stuff. Church of Christ are not telling you about this stuff. The Nazarenes are not telling you about this stuff. The Methodists are not telling you about this stuff. The Lutherans are not telling you about this stuff. The Catholics are not telling you about this stuff. Amen. The non-denominational churches, they're getting away from this stuff. Right, right, right. So... 
You're not going to get this. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not bragging on this. I'm just saying you're not going to get this everywhere. They're going to give you, they're going to say, you need to get in our program. We've got a recovery program for everything that moves. We've got a recovery program. Nothing wrong with recovery programs, but I'm telling you to do that in place of speaking a word of victory over their life and then telling them, now go find you a good delivery program. Now go find you a good support system. Now find you a prayer partner that you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning if you need to. You've got to get the spiritual taken care of first. And that only, I wish I had some help here today, that only happens in a Holy Ghost filled church that still believes in the Spirit of God. Do you still believe in the Spirit of God moving? Yes. Do you still believe in the supernatural power of God? Amen. Amen. Now, now let me tell you this. Don't try, to, don't try to attack any kind of addiction or habit or bondage. Don't try to attack it without praying first. Take care of the spiritual part first. Get the deliverance from the spiritual first because if there's a spiritual application, you can try all the physical stuff you want to and it will, it's just a rubber band. It's, you're going to get so far and snap right back. What the, what the spiritual part does, it breaks the rubber band. Snaps. Poof. Now you're free. The only thing going to bring you back now is that elephant tied to the stake mentality. You've been bound for so long, you think that's as far as you can go. See, Everybody know, everybody know what I'm talking about, the elephant with the... Okay, right. yeah, we read that book. Yes, Brother Hawkins, yes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stay after class. I'll explain that to you. But they can tie an elephant to a little stake with just a little bitty cord because they believe from a baby that's all they can do. Put a flea, put a flea in, a, in a jar. A flea can, I think a flea can jump like 28, 30 feet, I think. That's, yes, I'm just letting all you pet owners think, take that in for a minute here. <laughs> Doggies over there, boo, fleas right here. So you got to rebuke those fleas. 28 feet is what I've heard. But put them in a jar, put a lid on the jar, and they'll, they'll hit their head on the top of that jar over and over and over and over and over. And then at one point, they're done. At, at certain point, they just stop. You know how high they'll jump? To the top of the jar. Take the lid off the jar and the top, jump to the top of the jar until maybe one of them figures out, oh, wait, the lid's off. But it, they'll jump that high for a long time because they've been conditioned to that. So what prayer does, what the spiritual part does, when he says, rise, the spiritual part's done, the miracle's done. Now this man has to get used to the rubber band being broken. He has to get used to the lid being taken off the jar. Now he has to learn... I mean, think of, what do you do the next day? For all these years, you've gone to the Bull of, Bull of Bethesda, got your little cot, sat down and talked to everybody about how bad life is. And now what do you do now? Right. You've got to go get a job now. Yeah. You go down to the unemployment line, they say, what you doing here? Well, I can walk. Right? It's a new life. You're used to alms and people pitying you, and now all of a sudden, hey, you're among the walking now. When you get in the church, there's an obligation for you to mature. Don't stay where you were when you got in the church. Last week I preached about God's grace, God's mercy, no condemnation, and all that is so true. But there's a big part too to that message. Once you're saved, we walk in salvation. We live in salvation. 
I was preaching to a lot of people last week that just needed that first part. They need to understand that they've got, there's mercy, there's grace. But once we're saved, once we're born again, we come out of the world and we got, and the world has to come out of us. And now we start living this new life. We get up. Jesus said, rise, take up, take, is that what he said? Take up your bed and walk, rise up and walk. So we got to walk in this new walk. There's, there's responsibility here in turning point. At least I expect you to grow a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to be plopping bottles in the mouths of six year old Christians and 20-year-old Christians and burping you and changing your diaper and, oh, you poor little thing, you're going to make it. I've been telling you that for 30 years. You made it. Get up and walk. Get up and go find somebody else who needs Jesus. Bring somebody else in here and you help me feed and burp and diaper them. Come on, grow up. Get up and walk. Be a Christian. Go, 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 go. Go find somebody that needs Jesus. Just do it. Well, praise the Lord. I should have started right there and stopped right there. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Music's going to go ahead and come. That does not mean I'm anywhere near done. I just know I've got to give them plenty of warning in the afternoons. I'm learning. I am almost done. Watch this. Adam and Eve, Paul, sinned, their eyes were open, they made aprons, tried to cover themselves. Did it work? Not at all. So God comes to them. God made a covering for their sin. Killed animals, took their skin, covered them. It didn't work when they tried to do it. God floods the earth, saves eight souls, tells them not going to flood the earth again. They start they begin to multiply and repl- it's supposed to go forth and replenish the earth, but they said, not going to do it. We're going to build the tower. We're going to save ourselves. Huh? Shaking their fists at God. Try to flood us again. They build the Tower of Babel. Did it work? No. God comes down, confounds their languages, and the building program was a fail. Then we go into the dispensation of law. Man attempting to re- reconnect with his God. Coming to the temple, offering sacrifices, blood here, blood there, blood, 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 everywhere, blood. Animals, 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 animals. It was a messy, messy, messy time, selective time, rules, works, all those things. Old Testament. But when it really came down to it, we didn't come to God, God came to us. For the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So he came to us. <laughs> in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And verse 10 of John 1 says, he was in the world. The world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. He came. His own received him not, but as many as received him, thank God, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. He came to us. 
And we beheld this glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 3, 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm so glad he came to us. I'm so glad he found us. Because uh, if it were about us finding him, Job would have been in trouble, wouldn't he? When he said, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. He said, I go forward. He's not there backwards. I can't perceive him. I look on the left where he works. I can't behold him. He hides himself on the right hand. I cannot see him. But he knows, here it is, he knows the way that I take. If it were about us finding him, Job would have been in trouble. You and I would be in trouble. But he finds us. Hmm. For 38 years, this man chased a miracle. But this day, the miracle came to him. It was Jesus. Well, what does that have to do with us today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Jesus isn't in body among us today. Oh, wait a minute. Or is he? Trick question. Listen to this. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me... The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. He said, the works that you see me do, one of which was to say to an impotent, lame man at the pool of Bethesda, rise and walk. That was one of the words. He said, you know what? You see me do it, you're going to do it. Amen. That's good stuff. He works in the supernatural, Brother Deckard. We work in the supernatural. Amen. Amen. He said, you see me do it? You can do it. Now, we believe the, we believe the he did it part, and, and we, believe, we even believe the we part to a, to a degree. We believe we till it gets to me. Come on. You didn't come for me to patty cake with you, I don't believe. I don't think you came here for me to just patty cake with you this afternoon. You could be out hunting mushrooms today. It's a good mushroom hunting day. If I didn't think I had a good message for you, I might have played hooking. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. They're finding them. Anyway, what? see, I get sidetracked during mushroom season, don't I? Oh, sorry, Lord. So I'm just going to tell you, it's not we, but not me. It's the works, he said, the works that I do, ye shall do. Ye shall do. You know what he went on to say? Greater works. He does not mean greater in power. He doesn't mean even, he doesn't mean greater in more dynamic. It means more in number. More in volume. Right now, when Jesus' day, he could be at the pool of Bethesda and heal the man. But if somebody was down there, remember when he's healing, Jairus comes, says, come and heal my daughter. And he says, absolutely, I will. And on his way to Jairus' house, he's interrupted. Jairus is sitting there tapping his toe because Jesus had to stop. Because he could only be in one place at one time. Right now, while I'm preaching to you all around the world, 
people are being healed. People are being delivered. People are being set free. People are being saved because he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the comforter and the works that I do, you shall do also greater all around the world, not limited to one place in one time, but all around the world. He says, you can do the same works. The key word here as you stand to your feet, the key word is do. That's what we miss. We believe works, yes. Greater works, yes. Uh, we, yes. We do all right till we get to that do part. Do. There's an old Dr. Pepper commercial. If I can be carnal for just a minute. I'm going to anyway, you know. I'm going to be carnal for just a minute. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there you go. I'm a pepper. <laughs> but it says, he's a pepper, she's a pepper, they're a pepper, and a pe- everybody's a pepper. And then they say, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> if I wasn't a preacher, I'd want to be a jingle writer. I think that's pretty neat. <laughs> and I hope that's on your mind when you go to bed tonight. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper? Do you know that song? <laughs> Key of D. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> So this is the way we are sometimes. Brother Worthen's a doer. Brother Hawkins is a doer. Brother Brother Bunch is a doer. Brother Gunnerman's a doer. I hope you all want to be doers too. But what about you? Wouldn't you like to be a doer too? Wouldn't you like to be? Well, they go. She said, go, go to his. Go and all. Go be a disciple. Go and make disciples. Go, go do these things. And you're saying, yeah, I hope they go. I hope they. Not talking to, talking to you. You go. You go. He's a goer. He's a goer. She's a goer. He's. Wouldn't you like to be a goer too? Come on, somebody. That wasn't in my notes, but I'm so glad it came to my mind. Sometimes the corny stuff makes it stick a little better. When we talk about going, we talk about going to church. We talk about doing, we think we're talking about when we go to church, we're going to do. Well, we certainly need to do that. I <laughs> looked over at one of the brothers a while ago. We first got started, and he was just, he was just getting his mind in it. But I said, come on, worship, you know. He said, oh, yeah, that's what we're here to do. <clears throat> and they don't do that in every church either. <laughs> and Baptist preacher's not going to say, come on, worship. He's going to say, hey, calm down. <laughs> oh, glory. Why am I throwing names out? I never do that. Kill this live stream. Don't let it stay out there. We can get sued by the denominations. Yeah, all of them coming after us. Oh, I love y'all. I'm just telling you, you need the Spirit. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Spirit of God moving in your church. So, let's, listen, folks, I'm trying to dig some of us out here. This ain't nothing yet. We're, getting, we're heading into a season here where we're going to ask everybody to participate. Everybody do something in the kingdom of God. Something. Something to further the kingdom. Something to reach the harvest. Something to make a difference. Amen. There's something for everybody to do. So you can go. You may not go to Africa, but you're going to go to Ellettsville. You're going to go to your neighbor. You're going to go to somebody on the job. God's going to lead you to somebody, and you're going to do greater works than these shall he do. Amen. Amen. 
so we can help people be delivered. It's, it's that simple. You pray over the Spirit in Jesus' name, be delivered. And now, don't leave them. Stay there and help them. Give them your numbers. Hey, hey, call me if you feel struggle. Call me if you need prayer. You want to be a doer? You want to be a goer? Amen. Come on. Let's, can we come around the altar today? Would you gather around? Would you just worship a little bit, talk to Jesus? Maybe the Lord would lead you. Maybe you could just ask the Lord, God, direct me. Who, who would you lead me to? I know there are souls that you would lead me to, God. I could be a friend to somebody. I can be a doer in somebody's life. I can go, Lord, if you lead me, I'll go. Direct me and I'll go. Tell me and I'll do it. I'm going to pray for somebody. I'm going to help somebody be delivered. I'm going to make a disciple. I'm going to make a friend. I'm going to make a disciple. Hallelujah. Come on, let's cry out to the Lord today. Let's pray. Let's worship. Let the Lord deal with your heart for a moment here, would you? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. Let the Lord speak to us. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. You can use anything. your hands and pray that and sing that to the Lord. If you, you can, can use anything, anything Lord, you can use, oh, use me, Jesus. Lead me, Lord. If you, you can, can use anything, anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Yes. Touch my heart. 